0: Hi, welcome to Chaplaincy Chats, the LTU podcast that explores interesting topics with interesting people. I'm your host, Hannah Hayward, the coordinating lay chaplain here at Leeds Trinity University. And every month I'll be joined by a different person or persons to discuss a topic relevant to anybody seeking honest answers to human questions. We've chosen our first few topics from the most common discussions we've had over the years in our work as chaplains with students and with staff. But we'd love to hear if you've got a topic that you'd like to hear discussed. So if there's something you'd really like to hear more about, then message us your hot topic, either via the MyLTU app um, on the chaplaincy tile, or you can message me, Hannah Hayward, on Teams or direct message the chaplaincy on our Facebook, Instagram or Twitter sites. Each episode will last roughly 20 to 30 minutes, and hopefully by the end of it, you should feel like you've either learned something new, or at least enjoyed hearing about something you perhaps already knew something about, but maybe from a different perspective. So without further ado, let's introduce our first topic and speaker today. Our first topic is, why does God allow suffering? We just wanted to dive straight in there with the deep, uh, difficult questions, probably the most difficult, mysterious question of life. Why do we suffer? And if there is a God, why does he allow it? So to dig a little deeper into this topic, I've asked a great friend of mine, Father Chris Angel, who is the Catholic priest chaplain at Bradford University and parish priest at St. Joseph's Church in Bradford to share with us some of his thoughts Father Chris and I actually go way back, and we've spent many years just as friends trying to make sense of the challenges of life as Catholics. I always find, Father Chris, that you have a great gift for being really honest and making me feel like you really understand whatever it is that I'm going through, but you also have a great gift for pointing me always towards God in my struggles. Um, So I'm really looking forward to what you have to say to us today. You also work with students, obviously, a lot in your role as Catholic chaplain to Bradford University, and you work as a parish priest. So you've seen your fair share of suffering up close. You've seen sick people, dying people, bereaved people, people struggling with anxiety and depression. You've seen your fair share of people, of life. So I thought you'd be a great person to talk to on our opening podcast. So, Father Chris, welcome. It's great to have you with us
1: thank you very much for inviting me good to be with you
0: so let's go straight to it my first question is what is your first reaction when people share with you some great trial or suffering that they are experiencing themselves
1: well to be honest um it often depends on what their reaction is i mean there's obviously the initial reaction it's just a privilege to be trusted in that way And uh, we get this a lot as priests, and I don't want to lose the fact that it is such a privilege. But it very much depends on how they are experiencing their suffering. It could be uh, profound sadness. It could be anxiety uh, or anger or uh, just feeling numb. Um, Very often, my reaction to them mirrors their reaction to their suffering. I mean, having said that, I remember um, a few years ago getting a call to the uh, hospital and um, having to go and see a a family and their, I think, possibly two-year-old daughter uh, had just died. And they were still trying to investigate why she died. And uh, the mother who was there with some other members of the the family, the mother was uh, remarkably composed. You know, I'm sure it probably hadn't hit her yet um but i remember i said some prayers with them and um, did what i could and then when i walked back to the car i just burst into tears so um you know i'm uh, i'm a human being too and i react to the suffering in the same way that other people do the other thing i would say is um when you see people um who are sharing their suffering with you something very beautiful um sort of uh, comes about, where you see people uh, in a very real, honest, um, and beautiful way. Um, You know, very often when we're going through life, there might be a bit of a a front, we put on a smiling face, but when you're faced with suffering and when someone's sharing that suffering with you, you really see the real person. You see the person that uh, God loves and therefore is lovable. So uh, although it might sound strange, there is something very beautiful um, when you uh, listen to someone so honestly sharing their suffering
0: and so when people are being really honest with you um, sometimes part of that honesty is they say look I, I'm experiencing this and so I just can't accept that there is a god because when I'm experiencing this or when I see this suffering um, going on in the world I just can't accept that there is a god that's allowed it what what do you say when people say that to you what's your response in that case
1: I think that, well, this is, um, this, is such a big, this is such a big question that um, there's a whole section of theology given to it called uh, theodicy, uh, basically asking the question, how can there be a God when there is so much suffering? I mean, the answer that, um, that is offered by uh, the faith um, is that we believe in a God who is love and um, he desires to be loved in return. And therefore he didn't create um, puppets or robots that he could manipulate because they wouldn't be able to love. Um, Only someone who is free, who has free will, is able to love. Um, But as human beings with that freedom, we can either choose to love or we can choose not to love. And it's that freedom to refuse to love um, that God respects he respects our freedom um and that refusal to love often causes suffering sometimes great suffering um very often when people are coming to me and asking this question um you know it, what they're looking for isn't necessarily a theologically sort of cogent answer um what they're looking for is um it, it, it is Some help in their struggles. So it's often that they're not doubting God, it's that they're angry at him. Um, It's that they're they're really frustrated at him and and it's that very frustration which exhibits their faith in a strange way. Um, Pope Benedict, who was the Pope before the current Pope, um, produced a a letter for the church where um, in it he's describing how Anger at God um, is actually an expression of faith. It's actually something good. And what God wants is our honesty. So very often, when people are expressing their struggles in the faith as a result of suffering, I encourage them to share however they're feeling. And if that is uh, you know, anger and frustration um, at God, to share that. Because God wants our honesty, which is, in, ex- uh, in a sense, a, an expression of our love. Um, There's a book in the Old Testament called uh, the book of Job, which is about a man called Job who experiences terrible suffering. And he has, um, so the story goes, some friends who try to um, give some clever answers. um, And they're not all that comforting. In fact, there's a phrase, isn't there, Job's comforter, where the answers that they're giving just are not comforting because what people tend to want when they're going through suffering um, is someone who's willing to listen someone who will listen without judging without explaining away without trying to fix um listening and accompanying um uh, that's what you know priests try to do and others um, but also that's what god does um he offers a, a loving presence in suffering so um you know, when they are struggling with their faith as a result of suffering, I often tell them just to be honest and to spend time with with God who's always ready to listen.
0: Mm. Yeah, I've often found that when I'm speaking to people, that when they're going through a really difficult time, there's nothing more infuriating to them for you to try and explain away their problem or to rationalize it or to try and make sense of it, because it, it almost makes them feel like you don't really understand the the depth of the pain or the suffering because you're trying to kind of create a theory that makes it not feel so bad anymore and so yeah I can definitely relate to a lot of that. I mean you touched a little bit there on how we on human freedom and how that can shed a little bit of light on how we make sense of the suffering that's related to things that human beings have done to us or things that people have have done to other people and you know we see that Well, that's where human freedom that God allows us is perhaps abused. And so we see sin and we see suffering that comes from that. But what about natural disasters, suffering that comes um, not from people, but from nature, where nature seems to be the one causing the suffering? Is God at work there? How is God at work there? How do we make sense of that?
1: Well, first of all, I just find it really fascinating that when... um, when there's a, a, you know, a natural disaster and, you know, there's a, it's tragic, um, people do ask that very natural question of why, what's happening, and it's just not fair, Um, you know, there's a a desire for justice, you know, it's, I just find it interesting that what rises up within us is a sense of there should be an order, there should be uh, fairness and justice, um, and where is it? That very kind of natural reaction is a indication of the fact that we are really reaching out for God. Um, I think um, it's re- a little bit It's related, as you say, to the idea of human freedom, I think you you can approach this question from a, um, I think at least two different angles. One is to say, um, God created the world perfectly. But we don't live in a perfect world and therefore something has happened. In a sense, humanity has turned away from God. And as much as that's human beings turning away from God, in a sense, it's also all of creation. So there's that kind of mystical understanding of the whole of creation having turned away from God. That's one way of approaching it. Another way is to say, uh, let's look at these events. Um, it, um as they are in themselves which is to say that they are natural processes of nature they become tragedies and disasters when there is a human uh, effect um involved so in the sen- in the same sense that we talk about uh humans having uh, free will god gives nature a freedom as well um God respects the unfolding of natural processes in the same way that he respects uh, our free will. Uh, If you look on insurance forms, you'll find a clause about acts of God, uh, referring to natural disasters. Of course, we don't believe that God is literally creating these acts. We'd never call them that. Nevertheless, we do believe that God is at work within them. For example, in the generosity of the helpers, in the hard work of the rescuers, uh, in solidarity across the world, in uh, selfless, heroic acts of love. Another way of um, approaching it is to think about the role of a parent. Uh, The role of a parent is, you know, it's an instinct to want to protect their child from danger. But it's also the role of a parent to prepare their child for life in the world. And nature is part of the fallen world that we're in. So God doesn't um, insulate us so that we never, ever experience pain and suffering. But he does help us to find strength and hope and grace in the midst of suffering, because that's part of living in this world.
0: Okay. well, let's. Let's move away then from this theoretical because, you know, I do think when we think about it, there are a lot of kind of rational grounds for being able to make some sense of why there might be suffering and where God might be in it theoretically for people. Um, but have, have you ever personally experienced a time of, of real great suffering where you have felt your faith as a priest and just as a, as a, as a man was, was brought into question or... Challenged
1: in some way. No, sure. I've I've experienced my fair share of uh, of suffering. Um, I can remember a time when uh, my family was going through uh, real difficulties, um, and um, gosh, it was just uh, bewildering. And uh, one of the things that was so bewildering about it in my faith was that. I seemed to wake up and God was no longer a loving father, but just felt like a capricious ogre. And then the the natural questions came, why, Uh, what's going on? Um, What are you up to, God? Are you even there? Um, I thank God I had um, support around me from friends, from colleagues. Um, But when I came to pray, I remember I just had to sit there and sometimes I felt nothing, sometimes I was fuming, sometimes I just cried, Um, I was kind of mentally shaking a fist at God, Um, but uh, gradually and slowly um, healing came and it came just from being there uh, with God. Um, it brought around uh, peace eventually. Um, you know, the scars are still there, but in, the, in a sense, those scars uh, enabled me to understand other people's suffering and to, um, in my life as a priest, be able to minister perhaps more effectively as a result of what I learned through that suffering.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of a time when... Um a few years ago when I myself was going through like a time of real suffering. And I remember speaking to you about it and you, and I was like trying to make sense of it, you know, what should I do and how, you know, what is God up to and, you know, really kind of wrestling with my faith in the context of this challenge. And I remember you saying, you know, sometimes you've just got to kind of, you know, when you come to God in prayer, when you're experiencing this kind of thing, just kind of lie there like you're on an operating table, (laughs) And allow God to kind of operate on you, if you like, and then bring about that healing just from you lying there and allowing God to take you as you are in the pain and in the suffering. And, um, and the bits of that operation might be, you know, an, an angry outburst with God or like a, a time of, te- you know, real tears where you just allow yourself to really cry or um, whatever healing looks like. It might be nothing. You might feel nothing at all. But it's all part of this process of God kind of operating on us, you know, on a kind of all, almost like a spiritual operating table.
1: Sure. and that's, that's a different understanding of prayer than what is common, isn't it? Where actually prayer is what God is doing within me as opposed to what I'm doing. You know, but that I think that prayer comes to the fore when you're in suffering and you just, like you say, lying there saying, God, I hope you're doing something inside me as a result of this.
0: I mean, yeah, people will who are listening will no doubt be able to relate to some element of this, you know, even just on the level of, well, everybody suffers, don't they? No one's spared. On some level, everybody will encounter some kind of suffering in their life. Um, And I suppose people who are listening might be listening, particularly because they're suffering at the moment themselves, and um, or they're perhaps up close to suffering in their lives or have recently been up close to suffering in their lives that they're still feeling very keenly. What would you say to them particularly, Um, as a sort of a takeaway from today
1: well i'll share something which um someone said to me when i was going through suffering and it really stayed with me um they said uh, these experiences of of suffering we'd never call them gifts but there will be a giftedness to it so um he was saying was that we can learn something through suffering that we could learn in no other way um it's that 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 phrase that experience is the best teacher but charges the highest price Uh, suffering teaches us something that we just cannot learn any other way so uh, what i came to understand was that jesus walks with us through our suffering and enables us through that suffering to grow in love, in patience, in understanding, uh, in strength, in compassion, in character, uh, in grace. All of those things are things that we learn through suffering. So if you're going through suffering, um, believe that all that is happening, it's at work, and you might realize the giftedness of what you're going through now a bit later but trust that it's happening
0: good advice and i would just add to that just reiterating a little bit of what you said earlier which was just to be honest with god to speak with him like don't leave him out of it so i heard someone say recently like um the the atheism doesn't solve the problem of suffering either. So if you take God out of the equation, suffering doesn't make any more sense to you know to our hearts and to our experiences, not there's no greater consolation, you know, if we take God out of the picture. So I would encourage people just to include him in the picture, include him in your picture that whatever you're experiencing. And just to share with him why you find it difficult to believe in him, ask him directly, you know, he can handle it. God, where are you in this? Are you here in this? Um And I just find that often my prayer does look like that. I find that sometimes that's a time and time again, that's what I'm bringing to the Lord is like, God, you're gonna have to show me where you are in this. Um, But I often find that God is really faithful to that prayer. Cause like you say, he just wants us to be in
1: a relationship with him and to speak with him. Sure. I mean, you you think about what, how a, Mm. um, you know, a parent, you know, who sees their child suffering just runs towards them. I mean, that's the reaction that God has towards you when you open your heart to him in suffering. I mean, that gives it a little glimmer of it.
0: And there's nothing more painful, actually, for a parent, I think, when a child closes off to them mm. um, because they kind of close off all the help and love that the parent wants to, to give them in that time of suffering.
1: Actually, this reminds me of a, um, uh, I remember when my, um, my nephew was a very young boy and I didn't know he'd done something that he shouldn't have done maybe, um, uh, but my, uh, my sister didn't see it. Um, And she wanted to know what had happened. And she just sat him down and said, you know, tell me what's going on. And he just clammed up. And and she asked a second time, nothing. And then she just said, look, uh, things will only get better when you talk to me. And I often think of that when I'm going through difficulties in my prayer. I can imagine God saying to me, look, Chris, things will only get better when you talk to me.
0: Uh, well, on that note, I think it's time for us to wrap things up. Father Chris, I could just speak with you for ages, and we do talk for ages normally, <laughs> <laughs> about the the deeper, more um, confusing perhaps sometimes things of life, particularly as Catholics, but um, thank you for joining us today and sharing with us just some of your thoughts on what is um, obviously a huge topic for, for all of us. Um, I always think you communicate just so clearly but also in a way that's just really relatable and human. So Thank you, I feel like I learned something with you, but I also learned something about you. So thank you for sharing not just your thoughts and um, but your experience and your heart. Um, and finally, we just wanna say that this is not the end of the discussion. So if you have any questions or would like to discuss anything that's come up today further, you can just message us, message me directly um, on Teams, or you can message us on our Facebook or Instagram pages directly. Um, or just email us through the MyLTU app under the chaplaincy tile. You're not alone in your struggles um, and in your questioning. Even if you're isolating and self-isolating at the moment, you're not alone um, and you're in our prayers. And so we look forward to joining you next time on Chaplaincy Chats.